listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast for episode 217. I am your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined, as usual, by my co-host and friend, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, what's up, dude? Not much, man. It's not uh, not often we record our podcasts here in the early afternoon. It's nice to take advantage of the day. Yeah, it is. Uh, both of us are off today due to the holiday, Memorial Day. Um, so are you having a good Memorial Day weekend, Keaton? I am. I just made some hot dogs. Um, oh, nice. This, this fancy little recipe I found of um, you roll the dogs in some like Jamaican jerk mm. when you before you grill them. So they got a nice little taste. And then you put together this little uh, like pineapple shallot mix. Toss those into the buns, dogs on top, perfect. That sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, I love a good hot dog, man. I was watching a, a little documentary uh, this weekend about the founding of Nathan's Hot Dogs. It's kind of interesting. but um, We are not here to talk about hot dogs, even though they are maybe the second most American thing to uh, baseball. We are here to talk about baseball. Um, So we're going to be talking about the Red Sox today, obviously, as we do every week, but we're going to be focusing on a few specific things, the divisional race as we do each week. We'll be looking at the roster, uh, the return to the three-man bench, and then uh, a segment that you guys have been asking for for a little while here uh, is for us to start taking a look at who might be available uh, for the trading deadline. So we're going to look at a list of MLB trade rumors. 2021 2022 free agents to be so guys that only will have about a half year left on their contract those tend to be the guys who who come available other than that it's pretty much opening it up to you know the entire league so uh, we're looking at those guys first and we're going to look at some some different positions that might be of interest to the Red Sox and then get you to your listener questions so let's start it off uh, Keaton um as you pointed out before we came on the pod, the Red Sox actually haven't played that many games since the last time we podcasted on Monday, um, but their last few series have gone pretty well. They took two out of three from Philly. They split a two-game set with the Braves. They won both games against the Marlins before being rained out on Sunday. Uh, Red Sox are playing pretty good baseball. They find themselves just a game behind the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, and both of those teams have been able to put some space between themselves. Uh, and the Yankees and the Blue Jays, that second group team, seems to be falling back a little bit. Is that any surprise to you? Um, I mean, a little bit. I thought coming into the season that this Rays team would be, I mean, still a pretty competitive team in the division. I didn't think they had it in them to run off like what was like a 13-game win streak, whatever the heck that <laughs> ended up being. Yeah, 15 out of their last 16. Yeah, that's... That is a lot of winning that I didn't think was going to happen. Um, so maybe that's probably the most surprising piece. But even with that, they haven't been able to really separate themselves from the Red Sox. 
Um, of course, they're up three uh, nothing right now uh, on the Yankees in the seventh inning. So um, Yankees might be looking to fall on another step behind here. Uh, I mean, the Yankees' recent struggles aren't as super surprising to me. Um, I mean, you outlined this on the last podcast when we were taking a look around the division that um, they have a bunch of players made of glass and the injuries tend to catch up to them. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the Red Sox, you know, did the best they could given the circumstances. And now they've had three and a half days off over the past week and should be well rested for a tough four game series against the Astros. Yeah, it's going to be an important series and one that'll be hotly contested. The Astros have a very good team, very good run differential. Um, so we'll be previewing that a little bit later on. I know if you want to listen to a more in-depth preview of that, check out Keaton and Shelley on the Precap podcast. Um, but let's talk about those Yankees, Keaton. Um, when we talked about them last week, we talked about the weakness was the injuries, like you just said, and how they have a bunch of guys who are underperforming offensively. And the, the pitching staff has a few guys who are not performing all that well. But since then, Corey Kluber and Luke Voigt, uh, have gone down, and those are two tremendously important players for them. Um, Voigt joins uh, Voigt and Kluber, I should say, join Hicks, Britton, and O'Day on the IL. They just did get Stanton back. But um, one of the things that I had criticized the Yankees for was the lack of punch in their lineup, which is not something that you would normally think of with a Yankees team. Um, but they only have three players. In that lineup, slugging over 400 right now. Um, Gio Urshela is barely slugging over 400. Judge and Stanton are both over 400. But with the rate those two get injured, uh, you know, that can be a problem in and of itself to be over overly reliant on those two guys. And when you contrast that with a team like the Red Sox, who just have a, a really potent lineup all throughout, Red Sox have everyone uh, slugging over 500 in their lineup except for Dahlbeck and Vasquez. And to put that in perspective, I mean, Dahlbeck uh, is a power first guy, so I would almost guarantee you he finishes the season over 400. And Vasquez has been over 400 the last two seasons as well. So, you know, it's, it seems really troubling for the Yankees here. I don't think I'm ready to count the Yankees out. Um there were 52 games in the season, still had over 100 left. Mainly, I mean, for a couple of reasons, mainly because of the makeup of the rest of the American League. Like, I mean, a week ago when we had this this talk about how it was really tight at the top, the Rays, Red Sox, Yankees, all three had the best records in the American League. They've dropped a few. Um, I don't think that was necessarily surprising with the injuries they've picked up. But as you mentioned, they just got Stanton back. Um, they just, I think like two weeks ago, got... Domingo Armon back. So as they have the, the more guys get hurt, they've got a bunch of guys coming back too. So it's just basically just a revolving door. Um, and there's still a, a lot of time left in the season. Right now they would be one of the wild card teams and they would basically be competing with the Astros and the Indians. I don't really know what to make of the Astros so far this season. They've kind of been up and down. Their pitching has been hurt. It's been weird. Indians have really good pitching, but their lineup is just trash. So I, I don't expect them to be able to maintain this. So I, I think they're going to be hanging around, and they'll be in it when we get to the end of end of the season, as they usually are. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, the, there's really a chance here for them to get buried. Uh, 
with with the injuries that they have right now, I, I you know I agree with you. There's so much season left that maybe you know we can't completely throw dirt on their grave right now. Um, but you know you you said they're losing to Tampa Bay as we record this right now on Memorial Day. They have three more games in that series against Tampa Bay, who's as hot as it gets, and then they play against Boston. Um, so I mean, we really do have a chance coming up here to bury them like if tampa bay handles them and then we handle them in a three-game set it could get really ugly for them and then they're going to be like on the road at minnesota this is not a good stretch for them not to have Corey kluber let's just say that because the guys who they have filling in in that rotation michael king you know who knows he's not even stretched out so he's like just basically an opener um Jamison Tyon still has an ERA over five. Domingo Herman, he's been pretty good, but you know it's basically the Garrett Cole show in that rotation. And uh, guess what? The Red Sox miss Garrett Cole uh, during that three-game set, which is going to be upcoming here uh, starting on Friday. So it's kind of interesting. They're already four and a half back of the race. If they don't do well against those two teams, they could find themselves very buried. Yeah, the schedule is an interesting thing because they've played like 11 games or after the series, it'll be like uh, almost like 13, 14 games against the Rays so far this year, but they haven't played any against the Red Sox. Yeah. So they have a huge opportunity to at least reel the Red Sox back into a divisional race here. But like I mean, like you said, point out, Red Sox take advantage of that and could bury them. I think... It's just it's just always hard to, because it's the Yankees, man. <laughs> just you know, you want to write them off, but then you never really can. And the other thing is, they may have holes, but they'll spend to fill them. Yeah, and they've got the uh, obviously the cash, but they actually, I mean, their farm team isn't awful. They have a ton of uh, probably relievers, but kind of interesting pitching prospects that other teams could pick up and actually turn into starters. So. Uh, the current team that's on the field now looks like they're struggling, but they could remedy that pretty quickly with games against the Red Sox and just what they do in terms of trades and and such. Yeah, they could. Um, it's just uh, it's nice to see the Yankees look like they're pretty screwed right now, um, and yeah. it's nice to see them get swept by lowly Detroit as well. So. Um, you know, something to monitor there, um, and you know, I hope that they get buried by the Rays and then us. All right, let's move on here. The Red Sox are back to a three-man bench after optioning Franchi Cordero in recalling Colton Brewer. Here is my question to you, Keaton. Uh, was it the right move to recall Brewer with Duran set to go to the Olympics and Chavis ineligible to be recalled? Or did you think it should have been a different hitter or pitcher coming up? Yeah. Um, I mean, the more I thought about it, the more... I mean, I don't know if Brewer specifically, because I've mentioned before, I'm just kind of over him. <laughs> Good without him. Um, I, but in order of my preference would have been Jaron Duran, who uh, they want to get more seasoning in the minors or just more seasoning not at the major league level and he's about to go to the olympics which i think is going to be good for him uh then chavis who is ineligible and then eduardo bizardo who's hurt so those three guys 
as nose. Sure, Brewer, fourth option, why not? Yeah, the other guy who seemed like he was going to be an option, um, and we actually got a listener question about it, uh, Sox Thoughts said, why would they call up Brewer instead of Brennan, who has better numbers? You know, I don't know, um, because Brennan is on the 40-man roster as well, and he has a really good changeup, which is a pitch that you know, was why the Red Sox were interested in claiming him and why they did claim him. They kind of know what Brewer is here. Um, I'm not sure why they would have gone for Brewer over Brennan. Maybe it's just because they thought that it would be a very short-term thing or they envision a certain role for Brewer. I'm not really sure why uh, they made that decision. Do you have any added insight as to why they chose Brewer over Brennan, considering those two guys were basically the only two viable relievers on the 40-man? I just think Cora likes Brewer. Yeah. There's just something about him that he's just consistently drawn to him, and he keeps getting major league innings. I mean, the stuff is always enticing with Brewer, and then it's just very hittable. Yeah. All right, so you know the the good part about all this though is that um, something that you've been advocating for for a while is um, you know Franchi Cordero and Michael Chavis are going to be getting everyday reps uh, at AAA. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Franchi in particular, he just needs to get some of his confidence back. He has just had such a god awful start to this season. Like this was the first time in a really long time that he had a chance to really get through a season healthy. Um, and at the major league level, Red Sox giving him that opening day spot. Uh, and he did not take a whole lot of advantage of it. And it just seemed like it got worse and worse and worse. And in Boston, that snowball gets real big, real quick. So, yeah, I think he needed to just kind of be reset, get some confidence back, string some hits together, and then give it another shot. Yeah, I agree. I I think the best thing for those two guys is to get consistent every day at bats. I still don't love the three-man bench, though. So, I mean, do you think that when Chavis is eligible, they'll consider bringing him up to be that fourth man? Or is there someone else that you think could fill that position while Chavis and Cordero are down there getting everyday reps? Because, you know, you do want those guys to develop. The other thing is you want you know, a guy like Jonathan Arauz to develop as well because he's so young. I'm not sure there's an obvious choice. It almost feels like a trade to get that fourth bench bat should be coming. Maybe. Um, I mean, I think Chavis is a good option. Um, I mean, you got Santana and Marwin who can play the infield and the outfield, so it's not like you'd be restricting your bench in the – positions that they can play um and i guess in a pinch if you needed to you could toss chavis out there but um i mean duran would be the only other guy that i would want and it it doesn't seem like that is super close to reality so yeah i mean i think we've talked i mean you mentioned the trade we mentioned chavis specifically probably getting traded this year um so does it do the Red Sox more good for him to continue to get bats in AAA or sparing at bats at the major league level? Probably everyday at bats, so that teams can really get a look at how he's doing on a day-to-day basis. So then in that case, maybe that doesn't make a ton of sense, but 
I, I mean, I don't really know who else it would be besides Duran. And so if it's not going to be him, then Chavis would make sense to me. Yeah, we are a little bit limited in terms of guys who are, you know, in the upper minors and are a realistic possibility uh, to come up. And, you know, they can they can continue to do this three-man bench thing, especially with the flexibility of having three guys in Enrique Hernandez, um, Danny Santana, and Marwin Gonzalez who can play all over the place. It's just... It's not my favorite thing, especially late in games, um, to not have that extra at-bat uh, or extra batter, I should say, to be able to, to draw on. But you know what? That might be one of the things that Bloom looks to address. Um, so let's, let's transition here, Keaton, to talking about that. Uh, as we turn the calendar to June, we can start to think a little bit about what Bloom might add to this team to give it the best chance to win the division title. Uh, it's obviously going to be hotly contested between the Red Sox and the other four teams. I'm not sure the Blue Jays or the Yankees can stick in it, but I, I think at the very least it's going to be pretty tight between the Red Sox and Rays. Um, so I, I posted a link uh, in this to MLB Trade Rumors 2021-2022 uh, free agents. We're going to look at those guys, and we're going to be focusing on three different areas. We're going to be focusing on versatile bench bat, impact starter and high-end relievers that could possibly come in and impact this team down the stretch. So let's start off with that bench bat thing. If they were going to go that route um, to add a bench bat to this group, who do you think it might be and why? Well, I think, and this is (laughs) kind of a cop-out for the section, but um, I think that it would end up being Santana because Duran would get the call and <laughs> that would take those everyday at-bats away from a guy in rotation and then that Santana becomes that super util guy off the bench. I actually like that quite a bit. Um, I, I'm pretty confident with the idea of Having Duran up later in the season, and I, I don't think that the stretch run is you know the wrong time to bring him up. Um, I could see you know right after the All Star break or something like that, him him coming up and and then putting Santana on the bench. And I actually do like that because you know a couple of the names that I pulled out: uh, Astrubal Cabrera, Josh Harrison. Uh, Josh Harrison is playing in a starting role right now. I think Astrubal Cabrera is as well. So. You know, those guys would go from getting starters workloads uh, to being bench guys. I'm not sure they'd be super interested in doing that. Plus, it would cost to acquire them, whereas, you know, you have that great internal solution already here with Jaron Duran. So I I kind of think you're right, Keaton. <laughs> I think you figured this one out. Uh, the move is just bring up Duran. Yeah, basically. Yeah, because it doesn't make a ton of sense to spend. I don't know if it's like, you know, if it's going to cost you somebody who's really low down in the minor leagues and not really going to be an impact in the future to to add one of these guys. Okay, maybe you do it. But yeah, I think it's probably not your first um, thing. All right, looking down at starting pitcher, this was really interesting. So there's a really good crop of free agent starting pitchers um, this upcoming year. 
The problem is that a lot of those really good free agent starting pitchers are on really good teams right now. So it's hard to envision that a lot of these guys um, become available. But the the clear prize here um, of this crop is Max Scherzer. We, we got a listener question about last week. Um, so he is kind of the, the gem of the class here that could become available. And then Marcus Stroman, if the Mets, you know, continue to have everybody on their team hurt, um, as long as he avoids it, is there anybody in that list that I'm not thinking of that you think could be a potential option for the Red Sox to add? No, I don't think so. Cause you, I mean, you outlined it pretty well in that a lot of the top options are going to be on teams competing and not available. Um, maybe if you if you're like myself and you believe in the resurgence of Robbie Ray, and Toronto's out of it, but they're probably not likely to send someone within the division. Um, or maybe I mean it's for half a season. Maybe maybe they would. I don't know. But no, it's it should be like options one through. 17 should be Sir Scherzer for the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That should be I, their only focus and they should do whatever they need to to get it. I totally agree with you. I'm not even that interested in Marcus Stroman. I think he's like mildly interesting, but he's not somebody that I want to necessarily like give up draft capital uh or, you know, uh, prospect capital to go get because he's not necessarily somebody I'm interested in signing further than just this year. I love, 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 love the idea of what Max Scherzer can do to transform this team. Um, I can safely say, Keaton, I would be comfortable giving up anyone in the Red Sox system not named Casas or Duran to get him. I would even give up Jeter Downs probably to if it meant securing... Uh, Max Scherzer as a rental and then having the ability to, you know, sign him to a couple years after that. I think I would too. That's probably where I would draw the line. And I don't know if Stroman would have any interest in Boston at all. Um, you know, he's best friends with David Price, who very clearly did not enjoy his time here. <laughs> yeah. And was also um, very outspoken in support for David Price in the great Price v. Eckersley war. <laughs> so I don't think he would be super jazzed about a long-term deal in Boston. So that just brings me right back to Scherzer. The, I mean, let's think about that rotation for a second. If the Red Sox were able to get Scherzer, and, and to be honest, I don't think it would take downs to get a half year of Scherzer either. I think they could do something else um, outside of those top three prospects for them to get him. Um I mean, first of all, it would be a thrill, but the idea of putting Max at the top of this lineup with Sale coming back at some point later in the year, and then some combination of Erod, uh, Richards, uh, Eovaldi behind that, and and then Pavetta and Martin Perez either moving to the pen or long relief or whatever. I mean, that's that's insane. That's just delightful. Yeah. I, I think that they would they would probably become easily favorites in the American League, right? If yeah, they're not I think they would. Yet. Yeah. I think, you know, the teams that could still probably 
claim to have as good a roster as them at that point would be the Dodgers and Padres. But outside of that, they'd be pretty much the class of the league. They were able to add that. Yes, sir. Okay, so that's a bit of a pipe dream. Um, you know, clearly the big fr- prize out there. I think probably the most realistic thing for them to do um, as they approach this deadline is to solidify the bullpen a little bit more. Um, there were a few bullpen arms that I thought made a lot of sense for this team. I, I, I wrote them down as higher end relief. Uh, and I wanted to know what you thought about these guys and if you wanted to add anybody to this crew. So the four names I came up with were Brad Boxberger, um, who's having a pretty decent resurgent year. Um, Kendall Graveman, pitching in uh, Seattle, who's definitely not in contention. Ian Kennedy, old man Ian Kennedy, closing out games for the Texas Rangers. And Ryan Tapera on the Cubs, who's having a pretty good season. Any of those guys interest you? Yeah, the two in the middle, Graveman and Kennedy, um, who have been getting very high leverage situations, excelling, uh, and then not um, on winning teams. So a chance to um, get poached by someone. I mean, they're very likely to be moved. And the Red Sox, I think, I mean, we started this year talking about what we hoped Bloom would do, and we wanted the back end of the bullpen to be a big focus of that, and we added Ottavino, who's had his up and ups and downs, uh, been a little bit streakier than we hoped. So I'd like to see another like very high leverage arm get acquired. Those two guys interest me quite a bit, uh, and then Keone Kella and Archie Bradley are two others that came to mind for me when I was looking at this list. Mm. Um. Kella in San Diego, their bullpen bullpen is just stacked. Um, I think he's in San Diego, right? I am not sure <clears throat> where he is right now. He's bounced around, but I think he's in San Diego. Okay. Um, and then Bradley for the Phillies, who um, that that division is just kind of wacky, but I don't expect them to to be in it. They're probably just going to continue to fall. So uh, Bradley again is a guy who's uh, been like a eighth ninth inning guy for pretty much his whole career so he's had those the experience locking those down so it might be more cost efficient to go after bradley than um graveman or kennedy who are currently closers so mm-hmm. if they wanted to like take a step down to that next tier but still land someone who could be pretty impact uh, both i think kella and bradley fit that mold well it definitely can't be kella because he had tommy john surgery but, uh, so, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but Archie Bradley is kind of an interesting one. He's had a really horrible season with the Phillies so far. He's got a 6.75 ERA. He's walking literally everybody. Um, yeah. So he might be extremely cheap uh, to acquire. And somebody who, if they think that they could, could fix him, he could end up being interesting. Um, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely very interested in uh, Kennedy and, and Graveman. Uh, out of that group and I think Boxberger is one whose price could be a little bit lower uh, considering the surface numbers don't look exceptional with him but um, you know the the K to walk numbers are really good uh, for Brad Boxberger Uh, yeah so I'm actually looking at his numbers right now he's got 19 strikeouts to just five walks on the season so that's pretty good 
it seems like Boxberger has been one of those guys that's been like connected in rumors to the Red Sox for like five years. Yeah. So it feels like inevitable that at some point it's going to happen. Yeah. The only issue I think is, is the issue that, you know, we've run into with a few of these teams is that Milwaukee could certainly find themselves very much in the thick of things. They're only two games out in that division. So in that case, you know, they're, they're a team that also just traded two relievers to the Tampa Bay Rays. They might not be willing to part with a guy like Boxberger at this point. So, I don't I've know. Got, I've got one more for you. Okay. He's not he's not a Tommy John guy, though, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm curious. Uh, this, this guy has he's been having a really good year. Mm-hmm. Highest K per nine since 2017. Lowest walk per nine since 2017. Getting a bunch of saves. Uh, what would you think about bringing Kimbrell back? Uh, I thought about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't bring myself to put him on this list. I have to admit, Kimbrell's pitching incredibly right now. I'm just so afraid of the Kimbrel experience again. However, <laughs> I wouldn't say no necessarily. He's he's pitching lights out this year. I don't know what the hell's gotten into him, but he's turned back the clock. So, you know, I'm not sure if Kimbrel or Tapero would be available because they're just a half game back of the cards at this point, and I don't really know what the hell the Cubs are doing. But, um, yeah, I think you have to include the name. I don't think I'd say no either. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. I never thought I'd be, uh, you know, thinking about bringing Kimbrel back. That's uh, very interesting. Right now he has a career best ERA. The only year that was any better was his rookie year where he only played in 20 or appeared in 21 games and uh, 20 innings. Since that small sample, he has never been as good as he is right now. Kind of wild. <laughs> it is wild. Because it's, it's so, quite a resume. It really is. And, you know, he's got his lowest walk rate right now since uh, his historic 2017 season with the Red Sox. So I yeah. don't know what to make of this, Mr. Kimbrell. I really don't. It's uh, It's sort of weird. I did watch him pitch the other day. And um, he's more reliant on his curveball than ever before, but also he's not yanking his pitches as much, um, which is interesting. I I don't know if this is like this is working because there's not the same pressure in Chicago as there is in Boston, and also the division's not as good, or whether or not. You know, there's some fundamental change there. I haven't, like, looked at his release points or anything like that to see whether or not this is sustainable. What's your guess on, on Kimbrell? Because he is only 33, um, and his pitch velocities are pretty similar to what they have been in the past. I mean, he's still pumping almost 97 with the fastball. Yeah, I have not looked into it either. I've just seen the results, and you know, it's hard to deny that he, he's, once again, you know, one of the better – Closers, all-around relievers in the majors this year. Yeah. Definitely a good guy who uh, you could have invested in your fantasy leagues for very inexpensively this offseason. So, 
Okay. Um, shall we move on to some listener questions, Keaton? We shall. All right. Uh, our first one comes from Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, this question says, are the Rays in first place because they're a good team? Because they've had a godsend schedule or because the residents of Tampa sold their collective souls? Uh, like their collective soul tickets to go see the band? Collective soul? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Are, where are you going with this? <laughs> I have actually seen Collective Soul. Um, that probably dates me. Okay, never mind. Um, so so what's the deal? Are the Riz actually a good team? Or is it the schedule? Or is it because, like, for some reason, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Cup and the Tampa Bay Bucks won the Super Bowl and, you know... Now, now this. <laughs> um, I mean, I think they are a good team. Um, I mean, this is kind of like what they do, right? They they have a lineup filled with um, consistent, not flashy bats. Um, maybe Meadows. I mean, Meadows. I like Meadows quite a bit, so maybe he's the only exception to that. Uh, and then a lockdown bullpen, which has been really hurt and not so great this year, but obviously turned it around through this winning streak. And then same thing with the pitching. Whoever their starters are, they get the most out of them. So it's just – they're just consistent, right? And then that kind of floats them to the top. The Red Sox have had their their ups and their downs. They've been – and then because Tampa has been consistent, they've taken advantage of it. Same with the Yankees in Toronto. And so they are. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team, but I think they're a good team. They're consistent and, you know, over the course of 162 games, consistent tends to do pretty well. They really remind me of the Oakland A's, uh, the Billy Bean Oakland A's yeah. recently. Um, and one one quote from Billy Bean that I always like is, uh, my shit doesn't work in October. Um, and I don't know th- this roster can really make noise in the playoffs. Do I think they could win the division? Yeah, I do. Um, because they're kind of built for that grind of 162. You mentioned all that crazy depth they have and all that pitching. But, like, when it comes to October, my best against your best, I like the Red Sox lineup a hell of a lot more than I like theirs. Yep. You know, I, I don't know if they really have enough to win, like really win. I think I'm with you, man. All right. So they're good. But you know what? Probably not destined for a World Series. Turns out Blake Snell, though. No big loss there. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Our next question comes from Floyd. At Floyd Shambles. The Shamble Man. Uh, What is your optimum defensive outfield alignment? Can I include Duran? How about we'll do one with and one without Duran? Verdugo uh, and Renfro for sure. But where would you put them? Dugo in center? Yeah, I think so. And then Renfro in right. And then left, I suppose, Santana? Maybe Hmm. 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 Maybe Santana center, Verdugo right, Renfro left. 
Okay. But I don't feel great about it. I'd rather have Duran in center, Verdugo right, Renfro left. Uh, yeah, so I think my optimal right now is Santana center, uh, Verdugo left, Renfro right. But ultimately, I'd be fine with Verdugo center, Duran left. Renfro right. I, I'm not moving Renfro from right with that arm. I love that arm. Yeah, that's probably. Yeah, I just felt weird putting Verdugo in left because he is really strong defensively. But I suppose... and it's been his worst spot. Yeah, I feel like he's wasted there too, Keaton. I agree with you. That's why. Yeah, it felt weird. Yeah, like. But you're right. Renfro's arm kind of probably needs to be in right. Yeah, I, I'm totally fine with Verdugo in center or left. I like him a little bit better in center. Um, but, you know, Keaton, um, you really did kind of uh, nail the whole Renfro and um, Garrett Richards being fun to watch because both of those guys have been really fun this year. I do enjoy them quite a bit. And my boy Renfro is up to 250. Ryan, a little bit of a heater, and this is exactly where I hoped he would be, like 250 to 260 hitting bombs. So let's hope now the, the bombs will catch up to the average. Yeah, yeah, 250 from him is totally fine. All right, our next question comes from Cody Hudman. He says, I know this is a reoccurring question, but has your ETA for Jaron Duran changed with this recent performance, especially in light of Franchi getting sent down? Maybe after the World Baseball Classic. I think he is referring to the um, the Olympic qualifier. Um, has your timeline changed at all on him? No, it's still ASAP, which I hope will be after the Olympic qualifiers. Yeah, I, I'm kind of doubting <clears throat> that the Red Sox will let him actually go to the Olympics. Um, I think they'll let him play in the qualifier. And then I think it's probably time to make a decision on him, whether or not he's going to stay down in AAA or uh, come up. And I I do think that ultimately he will come up. And part of the reason for that is the, the bench thing that we were talking about. Like you're, you're absolutely right, Keaton. It makes way more sense for Santana to be a bench guy than he does to be, you know, basically an everyday starter. Um, So yeah, I, I think you're probably looking at early to mid-July for him. That's what I would say. Yeah. Our next question comes from the surfing guy. He says, I realize we haven't seen him in the show yet, but what do the metrics say about Josh Winkowski? And is he a good pitcher? What do you think about Mr. Winkowski? Well, your reigning double-A pitcher of the week down there in Portland. Um, yeah, he started off really well. Um, I think he's kind of having like his best year so far. Um, you know, it's only through 27 innings, but in terms of strikeouts, um, he's been less than a strikeout or, um, yeah, nine strikeouts, caper nine, nine caper nine. Good Lord. Uh, so far he's, um, and he's kind of like right on that. But he, he the the walks really haven't been there. Just having a real steady performance, twenty two year old in Double A. Um, 
I don't know what to make of it yet, I suppose. Um, just looks like a really solid pitcher so far. Yeah, he's been pitching really well, and you know the, the stats are backing this up. Um, 133 ERA, over 27 innings so far. He's got an intriguing mix of stuff. He also generates a good amount of ground balls and keeps the ball in the ballpark, uh, which is... You know, not always easy to do, uh, especially, you know, in the the minor leagues around here. Um, and, um, you know, he's fastball, slider, changeup, splitter guy. Um, I like him. Uh, I like him enough that I've, you know, obviously this isn't a fantasy podcast, but I've even added him in some deeper fantasy leagues. I do think that the stuff there is intriguing enough. He's probably... Not likely to stick as a starter, but I think he could end up being a valuable bullpen arm um, later on, and, and certainly seems like a good pick by Heim Bloom as part of this return uh, in the Benintendi trade. Um, and I guess we'll just follow this up because um, Sox Thoughts has a question: When will we know the players to be named later in the Benny trade? Uh, it's supposed to be right around now. Uh, as you're listening to this podcast on June first. It's supposed to be within a week or so of this time period. So we should know very shortly. Yeah, I thought it was um, the end of the month, which is today as we're recording yeah. this. So it's, it's got to be within the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should know by the next time we record, at the very least. And uh, let, us, let us end the day with uh, a question for which Keaton has a great answer for. Uh, Jeff Wax says, what's the likelihood of Franchi Cordero getting elected to the Hall of Fame, and how long do the Sox stick with Dahlbeck? Does he get packaged in a trade with Chavis for another MLB starter? Let's tackle that first part, Keaton. What do you think about Franchi in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, so I thought this was actually kind of a fun question to dig into. And so I did some number crunching here, and there has been um, 20,000 players in Major League Baseball. And there's 333 of them in the Hall of Fame, which is 1.6%. So currently there is 780 major league players on the on the respective 26-man roster of the 30 teams. So that means that currently playing right now, on average, there's 12 players who will make it into the Hall of Fame. And it's pretty hard to consistently be, like, even in, like, the top 20 players, top 50 players over the course of your career. So I don't think it looks great so far for Franchi. <laughs> um, kind of, I mean, there's a long way to go, though. So, I mean, he could have a nice solid stretch here. But I think, um, in general, any given year, the likelihood of uh, anyone being a Hall of Famer is is pretty low. All right. Well, that was a much better answer than I was expecting for that question. So thank you very much. <laughs> what, what were you expecting? I don't know. Uh, not not all the gory math details. So I, I very much appreciate that. Um, I'll, since you know, I'll, I'll let you take a take a breather here after all that math. Um, the Dahlbeck piece. Dahlbeck is not getting moved this year. Um, he's very unlikely to get moved this year with Chavis. Um, I think Chavis could get moved this year, as Keaton alluded to earlier on the podcast. 
Dahlbeck, it seems like they're going to let him play out this year and let him take his lumps and see what he is. And, and, you know, unless they get absolutely bowled over uh, in an offer for for Dahlbeck. But uh, I, I think he does factor into the Red Sox future plans. It's, I, I think you could see him get traded in the offseason, potentially, especially if they feel like Casas is ready and that they don't want Dahlbeck to be a starter for them later on. But, you know, I think they're going to give him a lot of run this year. Yeah, for sure. I think there's an end in sight, if you want to put it that way. Um, for Dahlbeck, though, unlike with Chavis, when Chavis got called up, there was nobody in the system that was threatening to take his job, and there was nowhere else they really could go except outside the organization. I mean, which they did to an extent. I mean, they had Moreland basically platooning with him for the longest time. Then they had him playing second base, a little bit of outfield and all that. Dahlbeck is probably limited to first. But he basically has uh, until Tristan Casas is ready to prove that he deserves to stay when that happens. Yeah, yeah. And so he'll probably be getting every day at bats until that point, so that the Red Sox can actually understand what they have in him. Oh, show. All right, man. Well, that's been the podcast. We appreciate all of you guys tuning in to this pod today. Hopefully the Red Sox will play more baseball games this week than they did last week, so we'll have a little bit more to talk about next week. Um Check out all the other pods on the network. We have the Over the Monster podcast with Brian and um, Matt. We have the Precap podcast with Keaton and Shelly. And we have the Red Sox on Deck podcast with Bob Osgood and Shelly Verstrait uh, on Prospects. So check out all of those shows. They're all here. Rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Thanks for making us part of your routine. Have a great rest of your week. And we'll be with you again next time. Thank you.